So although I was working like a machine and I was progressing, I still always felt dissatisfied because I was looking for something that I was never going to get. And I think I just had everything all bundled together that my self-worth was determined by other people, regardless of the environment. And unpicking that has been crazy. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella and host, Ella. I'm so glad you're here, and I am particularly glad that my guest is here today. Kelly Webster, how are you? I'm good, Ella, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So happy. You're coming back. I'm coming back, and you're a big part of that, actually. Thank you very much for being a part of season six launch. I really, really appreciate it. Kelly, where are you today? In the UK, in Leicester, in the middle of the UK, in the rain. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't know if we should let this cat out of the bag, but we are not meeting for the first time today. We are not. Kelly and I have had the pleasure of working together in the offline world, not currently, but how long have I known you? Jeez, I think you've known me now for probably 15 plus years. And I think we were employed by the same company for probably 10 of those years. Wow. Time flies. Um, You know, it would be kind is if I actually let you introduce yourself to the audience before I started chit-chatting with you. Can you do that for me? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. So as you said, I am Kelly Webster. Uh, I am based in the UK. I have two gorgeous children, uh, a boy called Jack, who is 20 and a girl called Millie, who's 17. Uh, I work in the aerospace industry and have done now for 25 years, despite the fact I'm only 44 years old. And uh, personal wise, I'm interested in self-development podcasts, love dancing and spending time with my children and traveling. So that's who I am. Kelly has a journey that starts as a professional one, but bled over into her personal life as well. And we want to talk about it today. We want to talk about what it's like to be at this stage of our lives. Talk about what that has meant in your career, the impact that your renewed sense of confidence has had in your life, your uh, boundary setting muscle that has been built in recent (laughs) years and the power of self-talk. So these are all themes that you and I talk about and have talked about quite a bit, but certainly we weren't talking about them when we first met. (laughs) No, no. And I mean, if you want me to elaborate on that, I do have to say when we first met for all your listeners, Ella is the ultimate professional and one that actually can be quite intimidating. So from a woman in business, you know, you look up to her. She's great. She's super well presented all of the time. She works out like an animal. She eats healthy. She's in the leadership team, like all of the things I was very grateful that I got to work closer with Ella and really learn from her. But I would actually say, and this is honest, that the thing that inspired me most is when I got to know you more on a personal level and realized that you are still human. You also still sometimes feel unqualified to sit at the table. You know, for me being quite young at that time, that made me feel like, hmm, 
I'm not alone. You know, if she can rock it like that every day in the professional world and still tackle that self-talk specifically, then, you know, maybe I can learn something from her. Hold on. (laughs) That really moved moved me. (laughs) Also, I'm like, God, I wouldn't want to hang out with me. (laughs) But that really moved me. Sorry, I just needed a breath there. For anyone who is confused, I've had a consulting business since 2003, and I have worked in um, the aerospace industry and other industries for 20 years now and met Kelly in that capacity. So she only knew professional me for many, many years. And now mm-hmm. we know each other much better. And um, a lot of what you said is true. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a big part of what the show is and why this show is. And Kelly and I both have a passion for speaking to people who share some of these things in common. Specifically, we are not on high. I have never, ever sat on high and said, let me tell you how to get where I've gotten. That's not my vibe. And that's not Kelly's vibe. And this show, yeah. And this show is about talking the real truths about our journeys yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I really wanted Kelly on because I hope you don't mind my saying, and if you do, you know, I can fix it, that we work together in a coaching capacity in more recent years. Yes, absolutely. We did. You know, I got to a point in my career journey where I really started to realize um, that I was a little bit of my own problem and I didn't know how to get out of that situation. Obviously, I listen to all of the podcasts and I'm, I'm really interested in other people's journeys and realizing I'm not alone. And one thing that really stuck out to me um, of one of your podcasts, Ella, was around your unique stack and brand identity. Two things that no matter how much I thought about them, I couldn't determine for myself. So, you know, I reached out to you. I asked if I could, um, you know, work with you in a professional capacity. And you kindly said, said yes, and gave me that executive coaching that I really needed to be able to move the needle on those two areas. Kelly, you mentioned two things and we will come back to these, but I just want to set them on the table. One is your unique stack, something that we talk about on the show and we'll continue to talk about. And again, we'll get into that in a bit and brand identity. Now, some people are out there and maybe they, maybe their primary job is that they volunteer or they're raising small people or they do a job, a J-O-B job, but it's not like their passion in their career. And they might be thinking, I'm not a brand. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I vehemently disagree with that. <laughs> what, do, what does that mean to you when you think about your personal brand identity? Sure. I mean, I felt the same, you know, I, I don't understand to me, a brand is, you know, you market a product or something and I'm not a product. So I don't understand that. But obviously as I was climbing the ladder in my career, I did realize that it was talked about more and more. And so I did start to ask some questions of how other people saw me. You know, so what is my brand today? My brand is, I guess, how other people view Kelly Webster, right? But what do I want that to mean? And and is what's received actually what I'm trying to deliver? And that was something where I needed your help, right? So this is who I think I am. This is what I'm hearing other people receive from me. And actually, what should it be and how much of, of that is okay? For somebody like me who's pretty open and pretty friendly, I also struggled with that, how much of the pie are you okay with sharing about yourself as you progress up that ladder? And I was very much of the opinion years ago, as you know, that 100% 
I mean, why would I not be myself? If I don't share exactly who I am, then I'm being fake. And that's not what I'm about. So it's really took me a long time and, and through the coaching and podcasts and everything to learn that not sharing your entire life with somebody does not make you fake. Showing up professionally and deciding how much of your personal pie to share with people actually is better for yourself and then positions you more effectively to be able to set better boundaries. I think one of the things, and I don't know if I'm moving too too fast, but I think one of the things that, that definitely I learned through that is associating my value to others, right? So I would rock up as this 100%, tell you my whole life, work as hard as I can, like a little hamster in a spinning wheel because I want to run up to you and you to pat me on the head and give me that appreciation and that satisfies me enough that I'll run away and I'll do it all again that was how I determined my value so working loads of hours running and running and running saying yes to all the things having no boundaries like zero boundaries working as many hours as I could physically work and and I'm not trying to make myself sound like any hero I'm really giving a true example of my value was determined by, I thought, what I put in, the amount of hours I worked and how, what people thought of me. So I attached that to other people's view of me, not my own view of myself. Am I making any sense? <laughs> you are to me, girl. <laughs> yeah. You said to me something so profound when you were on this journey. You said, I deserve to set some boundaries. Yeah. What an interesting <laughs> statement. I deserve <laughs> to set some boundaries. I deserve to manage my self-talk. What does that bring back for you? Just craziness. I mean, I lived so long with that other mentality and, and it took me, you know, it took me some time and I, I guess it was initially tri triggered by COVID, right? So I am a spinning wheel, hundred miles an hour in everything I do. So to allow myself to actually stop and breathe and, and reevaluate my career and the things I'm doing and how I'm progressing and why and why not, I guess was forced upon us all through COVID. And so I was forced to stop. I wasn't traveling. I was home and different things became important to me and really forced me to say, wow, is it healthy to work that many hours? Is that really what determines my value? Am I really even giving my employer the best of myself? you know, in the position that I hold by doing all of the things. And does that determine my value? And that's obviously why I reached out to you for help was to enable myself to view those things differently and really understand that setting boundaries and not being 100% available all of the time or delegating or saying no doesn't mean I'm going to get fired. It doesn't mean that. And I mean, honestly, these were like real things I would think to myself. Doesn't mean that you're not valuable. Doesn't mean that your work doesn't count. I mean, it actually counts more, I feel. And the response I get from not being online 24-7 and putting some boundaries in place has really made my work better. And more importantly, the fact that I do feel that I deserve that, that is something I didn't feel before because I didn't feel worthy, I guess. You touched on this, but can you describe a little bit the lens through which you viewed the world five years ago? Can you describe Kelly and how you felt when you showed up in the room? I guess I would describe myself as an excitable puppet 
that <laughs> did one. you just, wait <laughs> i need to translate did you say excitable puppy I did. That's adorable. A baby okay. dog for people that don't understand puppet. I would describe myself as an excitable puppet who was constantly looking up for appreciation and a pat on the head. I would describe myself as always feeling like the imposter in the room. Um, that really should I be here? How have I bagged this job? I, you know, do I even know what I'm doing? Uh, am I qualified? And the more I progressed in my career through hard work, I mean, I deserve to have progressed, which I can see now and I can say now. But with that came became more exposure to other leaders and executives and travel and conversations where I sometimes really did feel like I couldn't hold my seat at the table, you know? So Kelly, did you feel like in a way this was almost something being done to you? Actually, yes. And I'm a little embarrassed now to say it, but yeah, I did. I felt a little like victim mode. I did feel a little bit like, and I don't know, it's not like people specific, but you work and work and work and work and I'm not, not getting the promotion or you work and work and work and work and I'm not getting the appreciation and woe is me. I did, honestly, I did have a bit of that attitude, but it was easily satisfied as soon as I got that pat on the head. You know, I could run again for another 12 months, potentially. Um, but I was running back to those, that same spot every time of trying to seek my own validation through external sources. When you seek validation from external sources, first of all, they expire. That validation is True. an expiring resource. But secondly, it's so hard. You want everything you're describing to me is you wanted to be seen, but if you're not truly, truly you, mm -hmm. when you're seeking validation, when you want to please everyone else, you can't ever truly, really be seen because it's not the essence of you. No. And I wasn't pleasing myself. You know, it made me feel miserable a lot of the time. So although I was working like a machine and I was progressing I still always felt dis dissatisfied because I was looking for something that I was never going to get you know work is not your family or work is not your friendship group or and I think I just had everything all bundled together that my self-worth was determined by other people regardless of the environment right so whether that was my parents my friends that work I, ha I just had this thing programmed and unpicking that has been crazy. And I cannot believe the difference that it's made. The fact that I know that I'm worthy. And despite the fact that I might not have the qualifications that the guy sat next to me doing the same job has, I know what now what I bring to the table. I now know my unique step. I now know my brand. And now I now know my worth. And that, that's not to say that I'm rocking around here thinking I'm the, the big I am. I'm definitely not. I'm still a normal human being that has my days of, wow, you know, overwhelm, stress, do I know? But I don't have that emptiness inside that I had before in a professional sense that I'm expecting somebody else to fill. It's my job to fill it. I'm responsible for that. And that I now realise at the grand age of 44, <laughs> <laughs> so 
took me a while. <laughs> you mentioned the unique stack and I promise we'd come back to that. And I think people are, are wanting, I mean, I think so many people can relate to this and I can feel them saying, yeah, but how? So I want you to break down one of these tools and let's talk about the unique stack. And frankly, this is a concept that I learned somewhere else, just like every other concept I ever talk about on here. And in sharing it with you and working that with you, every time you speak about it, you speak about it 10 times better than I do. So in your <laughs> own words, what does the concept of your unique stack mean to you? What it means to me is understanding who I am, what I bring to the table, and understanding how that differentiates me from the next person. So I didn't just wake up one day knowing that. I mean, literally, you helped me through our coaching and, and through many questions and many conversations for me to even be able to articulate who I am, what I'm good at, and what I bring. And with that, we established, well, you know, hey, Kelly, you do this. Hey, Kelly, you do that. Almost having somebody else point that out to you, and you realize that, they are my core strengths, my natural core strengths. I'm not talking about degree related or, you know, MBA or any of these things. I'm talking about my natural strengths that differentiate me from the person next to me. And you helped me find out what they were about myself, you know, and that is my unique stack, how I make people feel the fact that I make them seen and heard that I am appreciative of others, that I am a leader that I am strong, that I am determined, like all these positive words that potentially I used to think about in a really negative way. You know, I would think, I wouldn't think determined and strong and leader. I would think, oh, always the one that's got something to say. Oh, always speaking up. Oh, maybe too much. Oh, maybe bossy or all those negative connotations when actually <laughs> That's a really good thing because I'm I'm doing it 99% of the time because I'm human with positive intention and noticing things that can be improved, giving my opinion on things, adding value to the discussion or the meeting. And so I don't have to make myself small and I don't have to sit quietly. These things are positive and that is my unique stack. Right. It's okay to take up space with your natural gifts in the correct yes. setting where you can create value. <laughs> exactly. And that is what I've learned. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> no, 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 no. In all seriousness, I'm just a facilitator to share tools, but you do all the work. And one of the things that Kelly did that we did as an exercise together, but again, she did all of the heavy lifting was answering a series of questions over time, not instantly. Mm -hmm thinking about it, going back and changing it. And, you know, having to articulate, not, it wasn't worded this way, but articulating your natural gifts, because we take our natural gifts for granted because yeah. we were born with them. <laughs> so Correct. there are some things that you're absolutely exceptional at that you either denigrated, downgraded, or entirely were blind to because they've been with you your whole life. And I find it nobody doesn't need to do that. <laughs> so if you follow my double negative there, every single one of us can benefit from articulating. I mean, frankly, one really great way to do this is quite literally on index cards. And you can write down if you, if you're not naturally optimistic and you're like me, you can pull your first six cards and write out just one word on each, what you aren't good at or don't enjoy at all. But then that would free me up to then take 
a whole stack of index cards and write down one word on each card or one concept on each card as to what I'm good at or what lights me up. And then somewhere in there, you have this physical manifestation of your skills, your natural abilities, and what you enjoy. And then if you want to continue the literalness of this metaphor, you put those together and those are your unique stack. So you don't have to be exceptional at all the things. The thing that is so exceptional about you is that your stack doesn't look like anybody else's. Yeah. And it's you and it's positive, you know, and that's, I think also I was a little ashamed of some of those traits because the world is what it is. And and, and we feel the way we feel from a self-talk perspective of, you know, being that person with a loud voice in the room is a negative thing. Um, so actually understanding that it's a, something that's natural about myself and, you know, is actually positive gives me the confidence that when I show up, I might not have the qualification that somebody next to me has but I'm me and what I bring is valuable. And that's just been (laughs) completely changing for me. I hope you won't mind me sharing this example, but one example of what this looks like in the real life and in real life, in case you can relate to this is Kelly would propose a very solid idea or very honest, useful feedback. And then she would almost immediately apologize for having shared such a thing. So, (laughs) and, and we've all done this and we've all seen this, but it's something like, well, you know, I think we're forgetting X, Y, Z, but that's just me. And, you know, and then we immediately discount the fact that we just shared something. So I hope you don't mind me sharing that, but it's no, a that's pattern. A fair point. I think, I think sorry was always my first word whenever I spoke. Sorry, I'm going to speak. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. Sorry, sorry I'm going to speak. Gonna speak. <laughs> I, then you speak, then sorry, I spoke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all do. We, we have all done that in some context or another. And I just think it's really useful to share the brass tacks of it because I think it's so very relatable, Kelly. And I appreciate your candor. And I would love to talk a little bit more about self-talk because, wow, that's every day. Um, still working on that in every way she and form. So let's talk about that for a minute. How would Kelly of the past felt like what would have happened in your brain if someone said, okay, thanks Kelly, but that's not really what we're after here. You know, they just, some sort of innocuous, but not positive feedback. What happens in your brain? Oh, I'd be destroyed. (laughs) I mean, literally I would be destroyed. And again, this, to put context around it, we've got to remember that I put everything you know, all of these feelings of, of worthiness into these things that I did. So then having negative feedback, I mean, it would tick the box of my self-talk that, see, you shouldn't speak up. See, you don't know. See, you are not qualified. See, you know, it just reaffirmed all of that negativity in my own mind. I mean, it didn't stop me often, but I would, st- it, what it kept what it kept in me, and it was difficult because I guess I was trying to work against myself. So I'm naturally somebody that has ideas and thoughts and and really wants to share them. But then because of the risk of negative feedback would say sorry first and sorry after. (laughs) So, and I've continued to do that up until recently. And I still sometimes catch myself doing it. I mean, it's not like, oh, I've had coaching with Ella and now I'm cured. Magic. (laughs) I wish. You know, there's, there's things that I still have to do daily to work on myself and not fall back into my own mentality. But the fact that I feel differently about my own worth and my own value and that that is fed by myself and not by others has really changed the amount that I have that negative self-talk associated to my career. 
Hey, quick interruption from our conversation because I want to tell you about Daily Harvest. As a reminder, for season six, I am not doing ads. And if I change my mind, I'll tell you. But right now, I'm only doing testimonials. What I want to do is if I like something, I will grab a promo code, a discount for you, or an affiliate code and share it with you. So that's today's. Today, it's $25 off of your first Daily Harvest order. Let me tell you why I like Daily Harvest. The food arrives at my door and the shipping is free. There is no chopping, no cooking. It's just open and heat or open and blend, depending on what you order. The food is plant-based. It's almost entirely organic, which does not describe the rest of my diet. And that's exactly the point. I was looking to increase my nutrition because I had been relying on convenience foods too much and really only cooking like one meal a day and then eating convenience foods a lot of the time. So I was very intentionally looking in the market for ways to eat more plant-based foods but that was really, really easy because I really noticed a downward trend and I'm trying to increase the nutrient density in my diet in kind of a lazy way. So that's how I ended up here. (laughs) And I love that they offer ready-to-eat smoothies. You just add plant milk. They offer flatbreads. They offer hot bowls of veg and protein, and they offer a lot more. They have something upwards of 90 different options on their menu. And for me, I get a box once a week. So the cons are that it's not cheap, but for me, it's actually saving one trip to the store a week. So it's a net net for me. I'm actually not spending more. Uh, I tend to spend more money on food than I do on other items because I'm trying to eat well. And then I don't get around to eating some of the good food that I buy. So that's very wasteful and not okay. You know, there's a meme that's like, oh, I wish I was the person that bought all this produce. (laughs) That's me. I needed something dead simple. I found it. So if you're in the US and you want to try it, I have a $25 promo code for you. And it's $25 off of your first daily harvest order. Try it and let me know if you like it. I will put the link in the show notes and the show notes can be found under the show art. You just scroll underneath it and you'll see some links there and a link to the blog post as well. I'll put the code in the blog post for this episode as well at onairella.com. Okay, back to Kelly. I would love to talk about what healthy self-talk actually looks like, because I find that a lot of people talk about this sort of thing, like just change how you talk to yourself and just tell yourself you love yourself, hug your thighs (laughs) and like all this stuff that I don't relate to at all. So I think it's really useful to actually break this down and talk about what it looks like or sounds like I'll share Mm -hmm. and I'll share an example that is it's quite shallow, but inevitable for everyone. So potentially relatable, shallow, but relatable. That's me. (laughs) 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 So when I think about aging, which is a word I hate, like everyone's aging, three month old babies are aging, but you know what I'm saying? Your, Mm -hmm. your physicality changes the longer you're alive. I'm going to call that aging for the purposes of simplicity. And this is something that when it sort of, when you first sort of start to see it happen, I'm just speaking for myself. It's kind of like, huh? this is happening. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it's a little bit of a distraction. And I think that I could give a Ted talk on the seven stages of grief, um, (laughs) as they (laughs) they relate to the disintegration of your face. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel the same (laughs) in the interest of time, but I have a more holy (laughs) reaction than a, So, okay. In all seriousness, this is not why I'm here. It's not why I'm alive, but it's still a thing in my life. And I really, I almost feel silly talking about it now 
because I've moved way, way, way past it. So I want to talk to you about what my self-talk looks like. You know how when you open your phone and the camera, you open your camera and it's accidentally on your face? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Horrific. That's what waking up (laughs) after 45 is like. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. That feeling you get when you catch a glimpse of yourself or you catch an unflattering picture or you know, you you know, whatever it may be. Okay. My point is this, my negative self-talk is just like all the things you would think it would be Uh, comments tied, you know, thoughts tied to my worth, my value subconsciously, my right to be there, the the disintegration of things that I, that I cared about, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what that negative self-talk can look like. Let me tell you to me what positive self-talk looks like in this situation. Positive self-talk to me is to bump up against a very normal obstacle that life gives you. In this case, like I said, I'm using getting older as the example here, as shallow as it may be, and saying to myself things like, that's not why I'm here. Yes, this is true. I'm not, I'm not invalidating it. It's, this is a Mm -hmm. fact of life, but saying, yeah, that's true. I have so much to do. I have so many more things to do here. If you will, Mm -hmm. I have so many other things to bring to the table. So managing your self-talk is not denying what is and having like the power of magical thinking and everything's rainbows and sunshine and hugging your, your thighs or, you know, that that's not that I don't, I mean, maybe it is for some people that doesn't work for me. What works for me is acknowledging what is, and then asking myself, you know, is this the most important thing? Is it true? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What else matters? What's another way to look at this? And that sounds so hard and laborious, but I think when you practice this, all of these things happen in maybe half a second. Did Was that the most like hard to follow explanation <laughs> you've ever heard in your life? Actually, it made sense to me. <laughs> well, let's talk about it in a professional sense. So someone comes up and they give you relatively innocuous, but not positive feedback. And yeah. 10 years ago, end of like end of like world mm-hmm. over you're devastated you have to emotionally recover and and be resilient what happens today in a scenario like that i mean one of the first things i do as you just said is think is it true and that's not in my first 30 seconds because i'm a human being so of course i feel a little wounded and i think mm, you know i i don't receive it all arms open as much as I should say, thank you for your feedback, you know, um, I'm normal. So, uh, but then I think, well, is it actually true or is it that person's perception? That's number one. And then I think even if it is true, okay, how can I do that differently next time? You know, does it matter that much or not? And I don't mean this disrespectfully to others, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but maybe I full on disagree with that opinion and that feedback and maybe it's not going to affect my work in any way shape or form so I accept that's what their thoughts are and I understand that I can't control what everybody else thinks I can only control myself and I move on with my life (laughs) or I learn from it you know and I take it okay maybe I did you know do that maybe I could have done that better maybe I could have done that differently I try to see it as a learning opportunity Uh, It still stings a little sometimes, but it does not ruin my life. And I'm able to self-soothe, which is not something I could do before. God, that's huge. And you talk about, 
I think about this as sort of picking up the mail every day, right? And you get like this bundle of mail and you have to sort through it and you have to be, which parts of this are useful? Which parts go directly in the trash? And then which parts do I need to open and review the, when, when I get feedback, I like to ask what parts are true, if any, right? What parts of this are true, sort through it, take the stuff that matters, toss out the stuff that doesn't, and then look at the stuff. Do I need to pay attention to this and then deal with it? So I, I appreciate you sharing that example with us. And I think you and I talked about the control influence and adapt model when we were together. I think we did. We did. We could do a whole show on that. I'll, I'll, I'll touch (laughs) on it very briefly. I may have done a show on it, but very, very briefly, we talk about when we're facing circumstances, big or small, we break it down as to where do I have control in this situation? Where do Mm -hmm. I have influence in this situation? Where do I have neither? And therefore I need to adapt. Anyway, it's a very, very useful exercise. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that. I have a question for you though. You touched on the fact that you almost felt like you were in victim mode. You didn't realize it at the time, but how does personal accountability actually empower you? What did that look like in your life? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I mean, I guess the realization was step one that I played a part in it. And that's a really hard thing to accept. And then do you ignore that and continue? Or do you actually do something about it and change things? And obviously that's what I decided to do. Now, I honestly believe that that pause in life with with COVID really allowed me to think about it to the point where I did want to do something about it. I honestly don't know, would I have taken that step or continue to run at 100 miles an hour if that hadn't happened, right? But I'm thankful that I did. I feel that I just feel so differently now. It's very hard to describe. I just know what I'm worth and set boundaries around that and say no. And I'm still a very hard worker and I still work extra hours and I still do all the things. I'm not all of a sudden, oh, now I've turned to a, you know, nine to five and then I'm out of there type thing. I know what's required of me. I know my role, but I just feel better about myself and what I bring. I'm not constantly seeking that appreciation from others because I'm in control of how I feel about myself. I'm in control of what I bring to the table at work. And I'm not actually in control of how other people feel about me. And that has been a really big learning curve because that for me just determines so much. Of course, I want to be liked still. I'm human, right? I don't want to make enemies every day and I don't care about it. But I can't, you can't live your life that that determines whether you're a good person or whether you're worth it. And that's what I realized. That's so different for me now. Well, I just have one more question to talk to you about. I really want to know how this translated to your personal life because, the, well, well, you know what? First, tell us, how did you show up in your personal life three years ago? How would you describe that? Like a workaholic. That? Like a workaholic. I mean, you know, yes, I've got two kids um, and I'm married and uh, I was a workaholic. I took a lot of time away from the kids to give to my career. I took a lot of time away from my husband to give to my career. You know, I wasn't a bad parent by any means, but I tried to, as many of us do, be amazing at all the things, right? Um, and obviously, as everybody knows, you're not amazing at all the things. That's just not re- real. You know, you, you, something's dropping. Um, and that's I dropped. And, and now I'm in a situation where we're separated and we're raising the kids um, separately. And that's working out great 
uh, for the kids. But that was a huge transition uh, for both of us, actually. But yeah, going from that hustle and bustle family life to all of a sudden, you know, getting a property on your own, being responsible for all those scary things like of finance and, and all the things that, you know, you shared or somebody else took control of and realizing who you are in that different space. I guess is also what's brought me to this point because that was a big question, right? You don't have time when you're a, a career girl and a mom and a, you know, you're doing the cleaning and, you know, a wife and a friend and all the things. You never have time enough to stop and say, do I actually enjoy what I'm doing? Who actually am I? What do I like to do? And obviously I had a big change in my personal life as well as COVID that, you know, very much changed my working life that put me in a position where I thought about things really differently because I really had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. I feel like I'd been running on autopilot for a really long time. That autopilot phenomenon is so relatable and not some calm, steady autopilot, but like a tornado on autopilot. Yeah. And you, you said to me, you said, you know, I was people pleasing. I was a mom. I was trying to be all things and then still being driven at work. And I never stopped to think, who am I? What do I even enjoy? And when you actually had a moment partly driven by world circumstances and partly driven by your own evolution. When you took a moment and you said, who is Kelly? Those are your words. It's yes. your life. Flip. I mean, everything is different in your life now. Everything all at the same time. So I was working from an office, 12 hours a day in an office, traveling every two to three weeks, living in a family environment, all of the things to working from a brand new house that I owned on my own. Uh, sharing custody of of the kids and uh, working from my lounge, not going out because of COVID, definitely not traveling. Um, So everything, literally what felt like overnight uh, changed. And two years in, I think I've made some really good positive steps. And I think it's given me more confidence. It's given me a lot more confidence. Okay. So Kelly, I want you to now tell me who is Kelly now? Oh my God. I'm a badass. (laughs) I mean, serious. I'm 44. I have two amazing children. I'm a way better mom. I'm way more present. I'm doing amazing in my career. I am deserving of my place at the table. I am fun. I'm passionate. I'm determined. And those things I really feel about myself now. That's who I am. That's who you are today. And always, yeah. and, and frankly, always were, but you, you, you kept asking questions of yourself and you got curious about, I know it's all in here. So what is keeping me down? And, and honestly, that's the magic trick. It's not that you have something that other people don't. It's that you are willing to ask yourself the questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll wrap up, but I just want to know, is there anything else you would say just to folks who, first of all, you're so lovely and I love you so much and I love talking to you so much. And we always have just been able to talk. So e- well, after you stop being scared of me, we've always been able to talk really yeah. easily. <laughs> <laughs> that took a while. <laughs> but yeah. And I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> what do you have any last words for folks who are listening? I mean, yeah, like I don't want this to sound like I'm preaching all of a sudden. Oh, I'm revolutionized. I mean, life is life, right? Things are hard. Things still come up. I think for me, just through everything that I've learned and the way that I approach things, I just think the way that I deal with them is so much better. It's so different. It's so different. And that I'm very, very grateful for. So thank you. 
No, thank you. You did it. My friend, you did it. <gasps> you did it. Kelly, thanks. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.